Greetings, my excellent friend. Bill. What? Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. into wild stallions i'm jay catch alongside my fearless co-host the man with all the hot takes sean walker sean how are you my friend hot takes flaming like a bag of cheetos that's been sitting next to the uh, toaster oven at the local circle k because as you know jay catch yes. strange things are afoot at the circle k absolutely we are the wild stallions we cover the salt lake stallions the alliance of american football we also cover equal parts the cult classic, or is it, is it is it a mainstream classic? You think at this point? It's still cult. Is it still cult still classic? Cult. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Keanu Reeves' greatest movie of all time. Come at me. Come oh, at me. All the John Wicks. Best movie of all time. Best role. Okay. I know. Best I, role. I agree with you, but I'm sure there's gonna be some John Wick people out there. That Come at me. Happy. I'm looking so. at you, Ryan Miller. <laughs> I don't know if Ryan listens to this podcast, but yeah. if he does... You should send it to him and just say, hey, listen to the first, like, you know, like five minutes of this podcast yeah. and you'll be all fired up. There we go. All right. Uh, yeah, so a lot going on this week. We have a special interview we're going to get to in the next segment. I had a chance to catch up with Salt Lake Stallions, what I thought was tight end, but apparently he's a fullback. Fullback? Tanner Baldery. He, he sure he describes himself as a tight end in this interview. So maybe it's an H back. I don't yeah. know. But on the roster for the Salt Lake Stallions, he is a fullback on their roster. I mean, there are some weird things that coaches are doing with the, with positions in the True. Alliance of American Football because of certain rule changes. Yes, um, most of those changes are like kickers are very different. Yeah, exactly. For example, no extra points, that kind of yep. thing. Uh, but maybe maybe the tight end, maybe the Hashtag tight end is the new fullback. Yep. That would be a great Netflix series. <laughs> there you go. I Tide, like tight end is the new fullback. So before we get to that, though, Sean, we're going to start off the show. Um, we're going to talk about the final roster being announced, the yes. two man roster, and then later in the show, uh, some TV news for AAF fans. Uh, Salt Lake Stallions fans getting a big bump, at least in one game. We'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. So kind of the layout of the show for you there. But yeah, let's talk about the roster here, Sean. It came out yesterday. The Salt Lake Stallions cut their 72-man training camp roster down to their 52-man roster. And the good news is for local fans here along the Wasatch Front, there are 17 Guys with local ties on the final roster. 17 players who played collegiately in the state of Utah with the Salt Lake Stallions, with uh, double-digit players from the University of Utah, which, yep. as we all know, the Stallions are going to be playing their inaugural season at Rice Eccles Stadium on yep. the Utah's campus. So I'm sure that was uh, definitely a push, definitely an emphasis mm-hmm. for marketing purposes, for Absolutely. PR purposes, yes. for ticket sales, um, but also probably for coaching purposes. I mean, when you're led by former Utah co-offensive coordinator Dennis Erickson, you've got a bunch of guys here who he knows, he's familiar with, he's comfortable with. Uh, it makes sense to kind of tap that that uh, hashtag you boy is that the thing you boy pipeline yeah you boys yeah yeah, yeah you boy they're they're all you boys but yep. then there are also five former BYU players and uh, two token Aggies if you will token which, Aggies yeah which I'm sure uh, will make their team president a Utah State alum very happy yeah that's the truth yeah so I like this Sean I think they were smart about it and these seventeen guys were guys that were on the initial training camp roster or added during training camp and they all made the team. 
I think it's a good move, like you said, for for marketing wise. But I'm also of the opinion, Sean, those 17 players, they're all next level guys. There's guys with significant NFL experience among this local group, as well as across the roster. There's plenty of pro experience around across the roster, but. I think these 17 local guys are guys that have proven they can play, and this coaching staff believes they can win with these guys. Yeah, let's kind of go down that list a little bit semi-individually. We won't go one by one, yeah. but, but we'll kind of go through and, and talk about a couple of them individually. I think we need to start with some of the Utah boys, because you mentioned uh, players with significant NFL experience, mm-hmm. uh, and that kind of describes running back Matt Asiata to a Absolutely. Team, who I think yep. is a very, very big keep for this guy, for this group. This is a guy who was really making a living for himself mm-hmm. in the NFL. With the Minnesota Vikings, yeah, yeah. until the Vikings brought in this guy named AP, who is arguably the greatest running back of all time. Yep. Um, and so there's no shame there getting pushed out by Adrian Peterson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then all of a sudden, there's not really a spot in the league. He struggled for, with injuries for a little bit um, and winds up back in the AAF. So if you have a chance to sign a guy like that, you have to, right? Yeah, and the way this team is structured, this offense, just knowing the reputation of Tim Lapp, another offensive coordinator, and also Dennis Erickson, this is a team that's going to run the ball. And Matt Asiata, there's one thing he is that anybody who's watched him play, at five foot 230 pounds, he is a battering ram of a running back. I have a nickname for Matt Asiata. Okay. Are you ready for it? Go ahead. I like it. No, that's true. I I think he's going to be great. I think he's going to fit in well here. Um, He'll be joined by another big back in the running back group by Joel Buanan. I think we talked about him when he was added to the roster. Yeah, from Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois, 6'2", 227. But the other two running backs on this roster, Terrell Newby and Brandon Oliver, more of your smaller backs. Still got some weight on them. They're both listed at 5'8", or 5'9", but just over 200 pounds. Uh, Newby played for Nebraska in college. Oliver played for Buffalo. So there's a good mix of styles, of contrasting styles in this running back group. And I think this is going to be the group that is going to really make uh, this team go. They're going to have to rely on their running backs to gain tough yards. Yeah, certainly. And and uh, maybe even more so when you look at, let's talk briefly about the elephant in the room, if you will. Mm-hmm. Three quarterbacks named to this roster. Yeah, I was going to talk about that here one, in a second. One yeah. of them was not one of their top, uh, their number two quarterback draft pick in mm-hmm. B.J. Daniels. Um, so shout out to our boy, friend of the podcast, B.J. Daniels. We wish the best for him yes. uh, in his future there. We'll try to figure out what's going on there. He's gotten a little bit radio silent. Um, since not making this roster. But Josh Woodrum, former mm-hmm. Liberty quarterback, spent time with the Baltimore Ravens in training camp there, under learning under a guy named Joe Flacco. Yes. You heard of him? Yep. Uh, he looks to be the guy Yeah, he's right going to be the starter, it yeah. appears. It, it looks like Josh Woodrum is the guy. He'll be joined by uh, Austin Allen from Arkansas and Matt Linehan, that last name sounds familiar, from Idaho. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Scott. Uh, so yeah, so th- those are your quarterbacks as well. Yeah, and see that the confusing thing with me, the BJ Daniels. I'm with you. I want to find out more about this because with this league, there's no kicking extra points, and you would a dual threat quarterback like exactly what BJ Daniels is, who can run and throw, seem to be almost tailor made for two point conversion plays. That was just my mm-hmm. take personally. Yeah, and Austin Allen's got a little bit of dual yeah, threat in bit. him, but he played. I mean, he played four years at Arkansas, yeah. and so didn't really run that kind of a system there. Um, Woodrum can move a little bit too. Don't let's not discount. Yeah, that. Woodrum's shifty. He's yes. certainly shifty. But I'm just saying, a true dual threat guy who's just as good running as he is passing. I just kind of surprised that the, that BJ Daniels did get cut, and we'll update you on this podcast if we hear anything. Sean's 
doing a great job writing about stuff. You'll see it on our Twitter feeds at wild underscore stallions about this team. And we'll update you whenever we find out more about this. Um, you, you know who yeah. I would like to see maybe do some two-point conversions now, moving back to some local players? Who's that? How about Drez Anderson? Oh, absolutely. As like a wildcat uh-huh. type. Yeah. Running in some two-point plays. Maybe Kalen Clay using a little bit of that speed. He's maybe He's a little bit smaller there, too, but, yeah. but he could be there. Um, or our boy, as we as we shift into some of the BYU players, mm-hmm. uh, Tanner Baldry, who's now a fullback. Yes. Well, we're going to bring that up a lot. And I just Shout looked, out to the stats. So we're probably going to bring that I mean, up a lot. I just saw a new roster for them. He's listed as a tight end. Make up your mind, people. Come on now. He's literally I, listed as I know both. y'all are listening, so let's get let's get something clear. So. There, are, there, are, there are two separate pages on their website. He's listed as both. I don't know. Shout Anyways. out to fullback slash tight end. So, yeah, Tanner so Tanner Baldry would be interesting. And I also, I'm actually, for me, I, I loved covering the, him during the one year he was at BYU. I thought he was a great guy with the media. It's Jordan Leslie, another mm-hmm. former BYU guy. Fan favorite, Jordan Leslie. A big, he's a big-bodied receiver, 6'2", 208 pounds. Um, him and Adonis Jennings, a six foot three guy out of Temple, look like they're going to be the guys that are the big-bodied, maybe go up and get it out of out of the air type wide receivers for this team this year. Yeah, and Jordan, Jordan in his one year at BYU also played in a system um, that utilized the slot receiver a yep. lot, and he shifted inside quite a bit to a spot that was uh, really more reminiscent of a tight end yep. in a lot of places. So you could maybe see him flex around at multiple, like you mentioned, at multiple different uh, places on the outside where he can run off of the edge, he can cut across the middle. Maybe he could even line up as a tight end slash slot receiver. I mean, he's he's not a huge blocking tight end, but... But, you know, you move them inside, outside, whatever. Um, I see a lot of versatility from his game. And the Broncos certainly did, too, just about a year ago. Yeah, and then one other guy, the wide receiver group, before we move along here for some more locals, DeMornay Pearson L. He was a guy I really enjoyed watching in Nebraska. Uh, He kind of got used as a slot guy, used on... um, the uh, fly sweep motion that Mike Riley had installed there for the two years. He was the coach there at uh, Nebraska. Incidentally enough, he's now the coach of the San Antonio Commanders here in the AAF. So I'm interested to see this wide receiver group. I, I think there's some things to be used there. Um, you mentioned Tanner Baldery at tight end. Well, he's joined by another local, Anthony Denham, who was also listed at a tight end here out of Utah. Denham played mainly wide receiver while he was a Ute, but when he went to the pro level, the time he had in the NFL. Yeah, he shifted over. They shifted him into tight end. He bulked up a little bit. and He was another slot receiver, I think, mostly. Yeah, mainly a slot receiver. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they bulked him up. He's played some tight end. And I think that this tight end group, also joined by Nick Truesdell, who's actually a JUCO product, and Austin Trailer from Wisconsin, there's some big boys um, on that edge at tight end for the Stallions this year. Big boys, big blockers, and uh, some soft hands, too. So. Absolutely. Um, offensive line-wise, in terms of the locals, Tooney Knooch, an offensive guard from BYU. Let's talk about media favorites again yeah, for a second with Tooney Knooch. If you ever have a chance to talk to Tooney, talk about personality for days. We should get him on the podcast. Absolutely. We will do that. Jeremiah Patasi. I, I know y'all are listening, yeah. our, our friends over at the Stallions. Uh, hey, you might as well just mark that one down. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a weekly request until we get him, absolutely. And he's also Mr. joined Brown, by two other locals. And Jeremiah Patasi from Utah, and as well as Celesi Uhatafe from Utah, both big-bodied offensive linemen. Patasi, 6'6", 333 pounds. Uhatafe, 6'4", 319 pounds. Both of these guys were standout stellar offensive linemen for the Utes during their time 
playing for Kyle Whittingham's team, and I'm expecting they're going to bring that nasty, that 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 edge that they had at Utah to this team. Yeah, I love I love the signing of uh, Jeremiah or CJ Putasi out yeah. of uh, the Desert Pines product out of Las Vegas. But 6'6", 330 pounds. I mean, he's he is just an absolute immovable rock and the kind of guy that I know Dennis Erickson really wants to kind of build. You talk about an offense that, that is probably going to run the ball a lot. This is a guy that I'm sure Dennis Erickson will want to 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 build that run heavy offense around he's just he's immobile he stands his ground he doesn't move uh really he was the pillar mm-hmm. behind a lot of those powerhouse uh run first and occasionally pass offenses at the U a couple of years ago and he's also a guy who I know is hungry to get back into the NFL um spent several years in the league before being uh, very unceremoniously let go. And so he's hungry. He's motivated. He wants to get back there. And he's going to try to just make the most of every snap, every play, uh, every quarter here in the Alliance of American Football. And I think you need that in this upstart league as well. Um, Talking about Polynesian beef, Sean, let's shift over to the defensive side of the ball. You look at the Polynesian beef. I like that. Well, the defensive line like for that. the Stallions here, there's a lot of beef. Mike Purcell, a Wyoming product who is Polynesian, 6'3", 327 pounds. Tenny Palapoy, a former Utah player, 6'1", 297 pounds. Silver Salinga, who spent a long time, you mentioned C.J. Patasi spending a lot of time in the NFL. Well, Salinga himself spent plenty of time there, too. He went Six, to a couple Super Bowls. 6'2", 344 pounds. Big boy. Handsome Tenny Alu, former BYU defensive tackle, 6'1", 331 pounds. Not sure where he holds all that weight, because you've been around Hans. He looks pretty svelte he's, for 331. He's not tall. Yeah. He's not tall at all. But He's to, listed at 6'1". Yeah. To carry, should, should, we, should we call beef on that? <laughs> uh, I would have my questions. I'd have my qualms about how tall he he's actually is. He's not very tall, but he is thick. Yes. But, so thick. And his stance, like in his stance, he gets so low yeah. to the ground. Um Played a lot of defensive tackle at BYU. I've I've heard he's played a little bit on the edge some, though. To pack 331 pounds onto that frame, considering I've seen him a fair amount, it's a pretty svelte-looking dude for 330. So yeah. Shout out to Handsome. There's going to be plenty of beef on that D-line, local representation as well. And if you move into the linebacking core, there's going to be plenty of guys who can play here as well. Trevor Riley, of course, the former Utah star, a guy who has played extensively in the NFL. I think he's going to be one of the leaders. If he's not the captain of this team, I'd be surprised. I don't know if they've actually announced who their captains are, but Trevor Riley's got to be in the mix for that. Former Great Utah leadership star. quality. So that, I mean, this is a locker room guy that yeah. you want. Oh, yes, 100%. exactly. He's joined by former Utah standout playmaker Gianni Paul. Um, if you want to talk about a guy generously listed height-wise, Sean, <laughs> 5'11 for Gianni Paul, that's a generous list. Maybe. That's a generous list <laughs> right there. I loved, I loved Gianni. He's a great dude, but... 5'11", a little generous with the with the he's, height. He is not huge, but he is, you talk about a battering ram. Yeah, he can, uh, he's now a battering ram in the linebacker core. He hits with a punch. Yep, and then Anthony Williams, our first Utah State Aggie, showing up on the roster here. Also a linebacker, 6'1", 246 pounds. So, Sean, plain and simple, in terms of you just look at the lineups, like height and weight, the Stallions in the front seven should be very strong against the run. They've got some big, wide-bodied dudes that want to come downhill and smack other teams. Yeah, and and a couple of big enough boys who are very smart and can kind of control that front seven secondary um, 
transition as well. Uh, you know, talking about guys like Trevor yep. Riley, who you mentioned so well. I mean, I I think Riley is probably the leader of this defense. If if he's not the starting middle linebacker on day one, where he can sort of control the defense like that, um, I I think that would. I mean, I just think that's a natural well, move for him. I could even see him maybe being the strong side linebacker and allowing Gianni Paul to play in the middle. You never know. I don't know what their configuration is going to be. We'll find out here in just over a week when they, when they get going, but I'm with you. They need to get those guys on the field, let them direct traffic. But as also, you also be able to defend the run here, Sean, and there are two locals in the uh, defensive backfield that we need to talk about. Uh, first one we'll mention is Will Davis. Uh, mainly played cornerback during his time for Utah State, a five foot eleven, 170 pound uh, defensive back on this roster. I'm expecting he's going to play cornerback, but then also Micah Hanneman, who was more of a safety during his time playing for BYU, six foot, 189 pounds. I like what they've done with this DB group. There's some versatility here. Chancellor James, anybody who pays attention to Boise State will remember him, a tall safety prospect at six foot two, big rangy guy. I like what they did with this defensive secondary. And at all levels on this team, Sean, we're seeing it. There is local representation all over. Yeah, Hanneman was a guy at BYU who he didn't have a lot of flash or a lot of sizzle. Yeah. Um, but he was the guy cooking the bacon a lot of times. He yeah. played with Kainakua, who was that flash, yes. who everybody notices, who, who really stood out in a lot of ways. But a lot of reasons why Kainakua could kind of earn this reputation as a ball hawk going up and, and just gra- jumping so many routes, grabbing interception after interception. Mm-hmm. Um was because he played with a kid like Micah who was willing to stay home and keep that back end protected, you know, get a couple tackles here and there, but just be so sound and so defensively sturdy that Kai could then go out of his way to make big plays. Um, and so I think you need something like that in this defensive back. I mean, any defense backfield really needs something like that. Um, and, and from a guy who spent a couple of years with, uh, notably with the Browns. Yeah. In the, the National Football League. Um, Even some time it, with the Chargers, he was picked up on their practice yeah. squad as well. I mean, he can obviously play yeah. some. And then speaking of former NFL guys, Will Davis, you know, there are only the two Utah State, uh, former Utah State players on this roster, but Will Davis is a just a massive, massive pickup for this team. A guy who played several seasons in the NFL, three years with the Miami Dolphins, really kind of uh, earned a couple of bones there. Uh, if you will, for the Dolphins, yeah, um, he's. <laughs> that's just, I mean that that's just a massive pickup, massive massive pickup. Make sure you go out and sign this local kid and somebody who's genuinely excited to be back on the Mossad's front for his pro career. Yeah, no, absolutely, and that's the good part about it. And um, Sean, I think maybe next week on the podcast, as we get ready for the upcoming season, as we kind of preview things with the Arizona Hot Shots, we need to discuss this at some point. But we need to talk about. Um, there are guys currently who aren't on the, aren't on AAF rosters that are holding out for this offseason with the NFL after the Super Bowl this weekend that are I'm thinking that some of them are holding out hoping to get one of those reserve futures contracts but I wonder if if this league comes out and it shows that hey it's got a high level of play if more guys are going to be willing to hop aboard this as a reentry 
almost to NFL circles. I, we, it's a bigger topic that we, than we have time for today, but we do need to discuss that at some point. Um, but before we go, I want to talk about the specialists here, Sean. Uh, of course, they're in specialists, you have a long snapper, Colton Taylor, a former Virginia Tech product. Uh, kicker is a guy from Fresno State, Jimmy Camacho. Not a big guy, but he's apparently got a big leg on him. We've seen some kicks on social media where he can absolutely boom it. But they also have a punter. What, what, what was the one the other day that, that uh, the Stallions posted on their Twitter? He, he had from almost 60 yards. Something like that, like 58 yeah. 58 yards or something he can, like he can, that. He can boom it, that's for sure. <laughs> but they also have Austin Recco. Um, he was an Idaho product, and I actually know a little bit about this kid. He's a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, grew up in Washington. His younger brother, incidentally enough, is going to be playing for BYU this coming year. He's also a specialist. He's a punter slash kicker coming off an um, LDS mission. So Austin's got connections to this state simply due to his faith. So there's another maybe pseudo-local connection having grown up in the LDS faith for him. And maybe a guy who doesn't necessarily want to chase every single yeah. NFL training camp offer or, or something like that because well, he because he's he's in a state where you know his brother's playing college yeah. football, so he can be around family, he can be in a familiar situation. You know, he's given the NFL a try, signed a couple of practice squad contracts mm-hmm. with the Bills and the Giants, notably was cut every time. He doesn't necessarily need to chase after every single potential offer just to then be cut a a week or two later um you know if things are going really well for him as as a punter in this league he can stick it out through the season and and see what happens later on in the offseason yeah and he was he kicked as well for idaho during his career and that was actually what got him a lot of the pub he got while he played in college so the nice part is he is he is that insurance policy in case something does happen to jimmy camacho during a game because we've seen it happen you don't carry many guys on these rosters. You need to have somebody who can, who can switch over. So that's going to be interesting. Or you get a guy like Taysom Hill who can play like 17 positions. Fair enough. But Taysom's currently locked up with the New Orleans Saints. Stat, Salt Lake Stallions backup kicker Taysom Hill. Now that would be that'd be a story right there. You Make wanna, it happen. Yeah, we'll see. So there you go. Uh, kind of a breakdown of the roster. We're really excited about this. I'm excited for the season. It's just over a week away. Uh, kicking things off against the Arizona Hotshots. We'll have a podcast out next week. More of a look at the hot shots which I looked at their roster just kind of initially when it was announced they got a good roster down there in Arizona Sean and we'll break that down more in depth next week but let's uh, let's not waste anybody's time any further than we have to here people want to hear from the players themselves about this team Sean I had a chance to talk to Tanner Baldery earlier this week you'll hear that interview next it was a great chance to catch up with him the former BYU tight end talked a little bit about his BYU career setting him up setting him up for his pro career and we also talked just what he thinks of the Stallions and what they can do this season. So that's all coming up next right here on Wild Stallions. Now to welcome in Salt Lake Stallions tight end Tanner Baldry, a former BYU tight end as well. Tanner, how are you? I'm doing great. It's good to be here. Uh, so you're about a month into training camp now down there in San Antonio. I guess the first question is, how is training camp treating you? How's your body feeling? 
Um, it's it's been a grind, obviously. You know, training camp, we're all competing here, and everyone's working real hard to prove and show why they deserve to be on this team. So, you know, every day is a, is a battle where we're giving our all, but um, it's been fun. It's been great just to be able to play football again, especially with most of us not having that opportunity or feeling like, you know, that we couldn't ever play again. Then uh, having the AAF open up allows us to have the fun of being able to play football. Yeah. Um, and my body yeah. is doing really good, actually. I've been I've been surprised. I'm, I'm really happy at, at my age. Uh, I'm doing well. <laughs> well, that's, that's what we like to hear. No, and I, I think a lot of people. We've t- I talk to a lot of athletes just in my day to day job uh, with the radio mm-hmm. network I work for, and we talk to a lot of guys that say training camp in the NFL. By the end of it, you're you're sick of it. You, you just want to play a game. As is it almost a similar feeling, even though this is a brand new league for you guys. Yeah, I think so. I think with uh, with us just playing our first preseason game on Sunday, we were all obviously super excited to have a game setting to finally show all the work that we've been putting in this last month. And I think that's kind of given us the taste of, you know, let, let's get more. We want more of that instead, you know. Absolutely. Uh, take us through that preseason game. How did it go? How do you feel you guys performed as a whole? Uh, I mean, I, we, we won, so that's obviously a huge positive to begin with. Um, you know, having We've done practices with other teams, and but obviously there's no uh, scores attached to that. And so having a, a setting where we can see a score and kind of gauge where we're at based on that score is obviously a huge positive. But uh, as, a, as an offense and as a team, we played really well. Um, there's things that we're going to have to clean up. There's some polishing that needs to be done. But uh, I'm feeling optimistic. You know, and we're a run-first team, and we ran the ball well. For those of us here along the Wasatch front, they're kind of excited to see what this team looks like. How would you, you mentioned they're a run first team. So we get the pro football, there's always that whole stigma of a pro style offense. How would you characterize this offense in terms of a style if, if there is such a thing? <laughs> um, big. We're just big. Man. Okay. We're big and strong guys. Um, you know, similar to what you see with the guys at the U of U and at BYU and you know, just the mountain men that they bring in, it's, that's kind of what this team is. We're big, burly dudes. We, we want to run the ball. On the defense, our defense is incredible at stopping the run. Like, there is no run game for any of the teams that we played so far. So, it's, you know, you got big, strong dudes up front, and then you got fast guys in the skill positions to make plays. So, we're, overall, I think we look really good as a team like that. Do you feel like that fits your skill set as a tight end? Maybe it's more of a, like you have to do some more run blocking than normal, than maybe most teams would do? Yeah, I think for me, especially being a run blocking tight end first, I think this this offense totally suits me because it's all about being physical, getting up in the other team's face, getting in the grill. And then, you know, when they come up to try to defend that run because you're running so well, that's when you hit them with the play action, with the deep passes and stuff. Um, and I feel like our, our offense, we've been really successful about doing that. Well, uh, speaking with Tanner Baldry, Salt Lake Stallions tight end here. Uh, Tanner, talk a little bit about the fraternity you have with the guys who are the former BYU players, and even by more of an extension, guys who played for the University of Utah, as well as the guys that are from the, uh, Utah State, etc. How do, how do you feel that it is to have that connection with guys who played their college ball here locally? Yeah, actually, it's been it's been kind of funny for me because I've actually connected with not just the BYU guys, but with all the guys from Utah. I've had a really good relationship with all of them while I've been here. Um, people like uh, Will uh, Will Davis, Anthony Williams, who played at Utah State, and then um, Anthony, one of the other tight ends who played at the U. Most of our O line is uh, from the U. Um, 
in our D-line as well. It's, it's just been really fun to be able to have that in common with them, to joke about, you know, oh, we played you. And, you know, some of the guys, you, you miss the time period. Some guys played there before I was there, and some played, uh, you know, during the same time I was at BYU. And But it's just been fun because we all have something in common. We can all joke about that and then come together because we're all on the same team now and have a, a purpose together. Uh, that's the thing I think that draws a lot of people to this team is that is that local connection with these players. When you guys finally do get back here, I know that you understand. I understand that you guys start your season on the road with your first two games before you play a home game. But what do you guys uh-huh. want uh, Salt Lake Stallions fans to kind of identify this team with? What what do you guys want to connect with fans at? What level? Uh, on a on a personal level, I, I, is what I hope we would do. You know, I want people to get to know. Uh, me personally, you know, know about me and my wife and my kid and uh, feel like, you know, they could, after a game, they can come and talk to me and, you know, and at the same time, I want to meet the fans. You know, we had an opportunity during minicamp to sit down and uh, speak with some of the season ticket holders and it was really fun getting to know the people in the Salt Lake area who bought those season tickets and I hope that we can do that more and I hope that as a team and as a fan base, we can come together on a personal level. All right, Tanner, let's uh, switch gears a little bit here and talk about your path to playing for the Stallions. I know you started out your career at BYU. If I'm not mistaken, you actually came on as a walk-on who played defense before transitioning to offense. Is that correct? Uh, you're half right. So okay, I, I all was right. on defense. I was offered a scholarship by Bronco um, very graciously, uh, so I, I didn't have to do the walk-on route, thankfully. But um, I was a defender first, and so that's kind of played into – my style of play on offense when I made the switch over to tight end. Okay, well, so you played for Bronco Mendenhall, and then you kind of make the, you you were part of the transition to Kalani Satake's era, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what um, in terms of I guess that transition, what did you observe? I guess most of all, when it came to BYU making that transition from the Bronco Mendenhall tenure to what Kalani Satake brought to the program. Well, they're I mean they're very different personalities. I had two years with each, and uh, you know, very stark contrast in how they run and the management style. And not that one is inherently better than the other. It's just two ways of going about it where Bronco is very much about, you know, you put in the hard work, you work harder than everyone else and you'll see the results on the field. And from, you know, him being at BYU and now at Virginia, you see that that is a successful recipe that works. And with Kalani, it was a lot less about forcing people to do the work or making sure that they put in the time to do the work. And it was a lot more on, uh, on us, he treated us, uh, I guess, almost as professionals in a, on a college level where, you know, we the amount of work that we put in is up to us. And at the same time, that's what we got out of our season. So if we put in hard work in the off season, that was our choice uh, to a certain level. And then based on that work, you know, we reaped our own rewards. And so very different styles of approach, um, but I think they each have their merits and with the right people in each system, you can have a really successful team either way. Okay, so you make that transition to offense. You playing tight end for the last couple of years. I remember you had a pretty big game against Mississippi State, uh, scoring that winning touchdown when Mississippi State came to Provo. What, uh-huh. about, what about BYU prepared you for the pro game and playing tight end at the pro level? Well, the with Ty as the offensive coordinator, he obviously has a ton of pro knowledge, especially uh, my, my coach uh, at the time, Coach Clark, my tight ends coach. Mm-hmm. Also, tons of knowledge, gone to a bunch of NFL seminars. And when we were getting taught at BYU about how the offense was run, 
Coach Clark would take time individually and say, you know, this is what you will see in the pros. This is why you need to learn this now so that you can have you can understand this in the future going forward. And uh, so coming here and having a very pro-style offense, there's a lot of elements that are very similar um, to what I was either doing at BYU or what I was taught at BYU that I should look for at the next level. And so uh, just the style of play my last couple of years at BYU has really mentally and uh, on an educational level prepared me for being here, and it's helped a ton in training camp. Now as you kind of turn your attention towards a pro career, kind of what are your aspirations? Do you want to use this as a springboard potentially to make it to the NFL? I know a lot of people talk about this league being a chance for guys to showcase their abilities, or are you just happy to kind of let things, let the chips fall where they may? Um, I mean, obviously my priority in being here is, is, is to not be content. You know, no one ever finds a huge ton of success by just being satisfied with where they're, where they're at. And, um, I really want to go to the NFL. Like I, I, I had a small opportunity to do a rookie mini camp with Cleveland. Didn't feel like I had a huge ton of opportunity to showcase what I could do there. And so I'm hoping that this gives me an opportunity to let the scouts in the NFL see like, okay, you know, we, we overlooked him. There is some merit to what he can do and we need to evaluate him a little more and, and give him a shot. And so uh, obviously that's what I would like to do. If that, for whatever reason that doesn't pan out and I stay in Salt Lake, that's, not a bad option for me either because you know, I've lived here for the past six years and it's a place that I love. It's a place that I've been living in and uh, slowly have been able to call it home. And so being able to play for a city like that is more than enough for me at the same time. And then uh, BYU is such a unique institution. I, I cover it heavily with my day job. Uh, Sean, who's my co-host on this podcast, he's the beat writer for KSL.com covering the Cougars. And we talk all the time about the unique aspects of BYU. What about the BYU experience for you set you up to have success at the pro ranks in your mind? Um, just being able to take care of yourself. Just, uh, you know, pri- learning to prioritize things. Uh you know, certain things aren't as important. Um, and right now on a pro level, the most the things that are most important for me is taking care of my body, making sure I am producing results on the field, and being mentally right with it. And so, you know, there's a, there's a spiritual, a physical, and an emotional level that I need to be healthy at. Um, and as a pro football player, to be able to perform on the field. And uh, BYU prepared me for that by helping me see, you know, what is priority in in life? You know, what matters really the most? What do you need to put in front of, of other things? And so um, I felt like I was able to learn really the value of prioritizing what's most important and seeding out what's not as important at BYU. And that's, that's helped me even here today, you know, on, on days off, days where we're not, uh, like today we have a, we had a workout this morning and the rest of the day off, you know, prioritizing to not just, sit around and do nothing all day, but, you know, maybe recover, roll out, stretch, uh, do a small workout, get a light sweater, you know, things like that to keep my body right so that when I do go out in the field and perform, it can be at my absolute best. Not spend all the time playing Call of Duty or something like that, right? <laughs> I mean, a little bit. You can do that a little <laughs> bit for, like, the, the mental relaxation, but not, not yeah. too much. You can't just uh, – got to have balance, you know? Absolutely. Balance is probably the best way to say that. All right. Um, last couple of things here, Tanner. There's a big topic here locally, and I know this kind of pulls you away from the Stallions, but I wanted to uh, let you respond to this question. A lot of people talk about with Kalani Satake, BYU had a bounce-back year this past year, uh, and went 7-6, went, uh, and six, if I'm not mistaken, with that bowl win. 
a lot of people talk about the with that bounce back year, they feel like Kalani deserves a contract extension at this point to kind of give him some, I guess, uh, tenure when it comes to recruiting, etc. What would your uh, angle be on for or against Kalani having an extension given to him by the BYU football program? <laughs> well, I'm not. Uh, that's uh, that's a little bit above my pay grade to make those decisions, but. Um, you know, I, I fully support whatever uh, Tom Homo and those guys choose to do. I know that they're going to do what's best for, for BYU and for the future. I think that BYU does have a great future ahead of them, though, with uh, guys like Zach Wilson at the helm at quarterback. You know, they got a bunch of good young players that will, you know, with time and with uh, a lot of coaching um, and a lot of practice, they can be a super successful team on a national level. All right, and the last thing for me is I wanted to open it up to you and let you kind of ha- um, share your message to Salt Lake Stallions fans, kind of get what you want fans to be excited about with the upcoming season. Well, I believe we're just under two weeks away from this thing getting going. You guys open up at the Arizona Hot Shots. What do you want Salt Lake Stallions fans to know most of all? That uh, we're going to be one as a team, and we hope that the fan base, uh, no matter where you're from, whether you're from the Provo region or from the Salt Lake region or from the Logan region, wherever you're from, that, you know, we're going to, as we will come together as one as a team, and we hope the entire state can come together as one, as a state and as a fan base, and we can cheer on and go against teams like Phoenix, San, Di- uh, yeah, San Diego, um, you know, Texas, all those teams like that, that we can uh, – You know, we've always, as a state, we've traditionally had rivalries, and now it's our opportunity to come together and find a rivalry with a different state. Awesome. Well, Tanner, I really do appreciate the time. We're looking forward to the upcoming season. We'll be looking forward to catching up with you and hopefully uh, watching you guys on the field, but also catching up with you and finding out how things things are going down the line, all right? All right. There you go, Tanner Baldery and Sean. Um, one of the biggest things I took away from that is you can tell that this is a motivated young man. He mentioned the fact that I'm playing pro football with the hope that I can show the NFL what they may have missed out on. I, he said he, he felt he didn't get a good enough look during his short stint with the Cleveland Browns once he left BYU. And he said, I'm out here grinding for my wife and my child. I want to I wanna play pro football. I want to prove what I can do. And I think his um, his statement of that, I think that echoes with would echo what most guys on this roster are. They want another chance at the NFL. They want the chance they felt like they didn't necessarily get right off the bat. They want this opportunity. Yeah, and Tanner's definitely one of those guys who didn't get a full shake, a full fair shake, if you yeah. will. Uh, and I'm not just saying that as a guy who covers BYU for a living in my professional job, but but I I remember his pro day particularly. He didn't put up great numbers. Yeah. Um, and that was there was a little bit of talk about that, like oh, was Tanner, you know, is Tanner Baldry? He's a great kid, great guy, great interview, fantastic interview as you guys heard. Uh, but he d- doesn't have these great tangibles from his pro day. Is that going to hurt him in the NFL? Um, we later learned. He was hurt during that pro day and uh, just banged up from the season, had a couple of issues, and then that injury kind of lingered a little bit into his first training camp contract. Um, 
first impressions are so massive in the NFL. It's mm-hmm. really, really hard to overcome a bad first impression or to turn away from a good first impression. Jordan Leslie is an example of that. He made a great yes. first impression in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It kind of kept him around through a couple of struggles, yeah. uh, through a few preseasons, for example. So first impressions are so massive. Tanner didn't necessarily make a great first impression. So now I think he's using the alliance as a chance to re- try to redo that first look that a lot of NFL scouts uh, are going to have at him because NFL scouts will be watching this league. Yeah, exactly. And that's going to be the interesting part about it. All right, Sean. You know who else will be watching this league? Oh, more people than we originally thought. So let's talk about that next. Uh, we've got some news from the Sports Business Journal. John Oren, who covers sports media better than pretty much anybody in the entire country, in my opinion, had a good story that came out actually this morning as of recording. Uh, we'll talk about that. Some new chances for AAF fans and just football fans in general to catch this league in action. We'll talk about that next right here on Wild Stallions. <laughs> Welcome back to Wild Stallions. I'm Jay Catch. He is Sean Walker. We need a stallions drop for your walking back. Walk, or welcome back. Like a, a, like a horse or something. Like. Yeah, yeah, just that, find like some like stock sound. We'll figure that. We can we can figure. We're peeling that. back the curtain a little bit. This is what you get for subscribing to Wild Stallions early, folks. I know exactly. This is not a finished make, product by any means. Yeah, make sure you don't cut that part. We, we're no, no, we're going to leave that in there. We do need to do that. Actually, that's a great idea to play that underneath. Yeah, we, we just need like random like. Yeah. Well, we can go steal the sound Stuff from like that, yeah. Monty Python. Is that public this, domain now? Make this a Pi- Monty Python <laughs> appreciate, appreciation podcast as well, as well as Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. But, Sean, um, the Alliance of American Football, of course, when they announced this league, they said they had to deal with CBS and CBS Sports Network, and that was a big deal. But now it's going to be even more publicized. This league is going to be available on three different networks, it looks like. CBS, of course, who will do the season opener here in just over a week. They'll also have a featured game each week on CBS Sports Network. But now, also the AAF announcing that TNT has signed on here to televised games for the Alliance of American Football as well as the NFL Network. Yeah, there there are a lot of media rights deals right now for spring spring football flowing around, and not to step too far outside of the AAF, but the XFL is also talking with Fox and ESPN. Yep. Um, there are a lot of channels, both traditional and um, digital, that are looking for live sports, and that's that's why I think this. This Alliance of American Football is so different from predecessors. Just there are a lot of ways to get your product in front of a lot of eyeballs, a lot of people, and and advertisers know that. Um, so this is this is probably a really good move. I mean, you you open the season overall first ever game on CBS, championship game on CBS, game every week on CBS Sports Network, which has some decent coverage. Yeah. Um, but then adding TNT into the mix now every week. I mean that's. That's huge. And this TNT deal, it is one regular season game and one playoff game each season. So it's just two games per season. But it has a local connection here, Sean, because their first game, the one regular season game they're going to do this year, 
features the Salt Lake Stallions. Yeah. It's going to be the, the second game of the season for the Stallions when they hit, head to Birmingham to face off against the Birmingham Iron. It's going to be on February 16th, and it's going to help lead into NBA All-Star 16th. Saturday night. Oh, that's what's happening February 16th. Yep. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, you want to talk. There, there's maybe there's maybe no better marketing um, or coverage for a nation league like the AAF mm-hmm. than trying to attach yourself remotely, parenthetically, if you will, um, to well-established brands. Oh, yes. And what better well-established brand in the middle of February is there than the NBA All-Star Game? There's not. I mean, that's like, how how many extra eyeballs are going to see this just from people who are tuning into TNT mm-hmm. a couple of minutes early, if you will? Maybe they don't even see the full game yeah. of, of Stallions Iron, but they see that second half. But they they see, see that fourth quarter. They yeah. see some big hit uh-huh. or some 63-yard Jamie Camacho field goal or something like that. And something, then they go... Yeah. Oh hey, I'm gonna need to I'm gonna need to figure this out some. Yeah, um, it, um, big gift for the AAF, but also a big gift for the Stallions. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be cool, and it features two teams from two different parts of the country. Of course, Birmingham down there in the south, Salt Lake, the Great White North, if you will, team of the AAF. So this is big time uh, stage for fans, and like you said, to anchor yourself to something with a lead into NBA All Star Saturday Night. I, it was a it's a savvy media move if you're a member of the alliance. So that's going to be exciting. All right, Sean. Um, yeah. So the NFL Network deal is going to ha- carry two games per week. So it sounds like Sean, as of right now, at least three of the four games each week are going to be on national slash cable TV. Yeah, and then you've got another game on Turner's Bleacher Report Live. Yeah. A uh, a live streaming setup that's in a lot of homes now Mm -hmm. because of this little thing called The Match. I know you're a big golf fan. Yep. Um, And uh, again, stepping away from the AAF for a quick second, I did tune in to BR Live for The Match. Uh, We had a little watch party for it, some friends and I. Yeah. And I was very impressed. I wasn't necessarily impressed with the quality of golf that Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson put on there, but I was very impressed with the broadcast overall. Uh, I thought it was very high quality. The uh, the you could tell the director and the producers knew what they were doing. Yep. Um, they brought in the right level of talent. I think yes. for a digital only platform, you know, they didn't always have the best talent, but they had recognizable enough faces that are also very good at doing what they're doing and doing things a little bit differently for a digital audience. I think you're going to see that February 23rd with the uh, Hot Shot Stallions on it's BR Live. And it's the home opener for the Stallions. Yeah. So, so if you're not at the stadium. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you. BR Live, it's it's uh, Turner Networks owns it. They have some of the best t- um, TV sports people working for Turner Network Television on all their properties. So yeah, I'm with you. I think that BR Live is definitely going to be something that's going to be an, be an asset in terms of people being able to catch stuff all right sean let's wrap things up here any final thoughts for this week's podcast from you as we head into a game week we are getting ready for a game next week oh we need a game week drop now it's game week it's game week not a not we're we're talking about we're not talking about practice we're talking about a game we're talking about game not a game Practice. First game ever for Practice? the Salt Lake Stallions and Arizona Hotshots, Sunday, February 10th. Of course, there'll be three other games on the 9th. It's an exciting time, Sean. I'm really excited about this. It's been a long time coming with this league, but it's time to go. Be excellent to each other. And...